Fantastic. Welcome, Welcome back. back. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back uh, to Jokerman uh, podcast, um, where we're we're discussing Dylan and the Dead, the, the record that's the only the only live record that has Bob Dylan and the Grateful Dead on it, technically. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're joined by guests. Uh, my name is Walter Martin, and I'm Mylan McAlevey. And also Ian's here. Um, Still here. Just, you know, whatever. Yeah. And um, we're, we're beginning to fire up side B. Woo! Oh, finally. One of the two best sides on, on this record. <laughs> um, and uh, what, do we, what do we start off with, gentlemen? We start off with, uh, with Joey. Sure do. We, got, we were listening to this right uh, right after Joe Biden. We listened Biden. to it twice. Oh, no. Right after Joe Biden. Oh, God. I didn't make that connection. Uh, his, his, his victory speech, if you come out to that version of Joey. That, that yeah. would have been something special. <laughs> he absolutely should have done that. Um, anyway, you know, what we were just... That would really... I, I, don't know if, I, I, I don't know if I'd ever actually heard that before. But the way that they start, we, we actually figured out in the car that Bob, I guess Bob Weir starts it uh, and starts it really fast. He jumps in like he's playing. It sounds like the beginning of a, a song on In bam, the Dark. Bam, bam, in the Dark bam. starts uh, throwing stones, starts kind of like that. But he was like, he's very exuberant. But then the band comes in and then you can hear, I guess it's Kreutzmann, one of those guys starts hitting the snare with both hands. I think he's just trying to say slow it. So he's going, just to slow them down and they eventually slow down to because Bob Dylan starts singing at at that fast tempo and it's just terrible (laughs) and then he gets them down to a decent tempo but it's still just terrible Mm -hmm. yeah this is a song that uh, famously is not fast or upbeat (laughs) it's a if if you if you don't remember Joey dear listener Joey is a song about um uh, what what was his actual name? Joey, uh, the, the uh, gangster. Joe Joey Gallo. Joey Gallo. Uh, Joey Gallo. Who in the movie The Irishman, um, the oh. one of the last feature films ever to be made, um, was uh, <laughs> killed. You see him murdered at a, a, a Umberto. What's supposed to be Umberto's clam house in mm-hmm. in Little Italy. In New York oh. City, um, he's gunned down, and we hear yeah, I in the song uh, he's at a clam bar when he's killed, and he picks up his fork. They don't they flip over the table to oh to, mm-hmm. to, to the tune of the cord. bullets. Wow, well, wow. Yeah. Interestingly, this song uh, uh, for for the the listeners who have stuck with us since our disastrous Desire live recording uh, from Prospect Park. Uh, we'll remember the discussion of Joey uh, centering around uh, the fact that everyone fucking hated this song when it came out and thought it was total bullshit that Bob was writing this big romantic anthem about a uh, sort of uh, psychopathic gangster. Um, oh, really? It, yeah. And uh, and so this performance of Joey here on, on Dylan and the Dead is actually the first time he ever played it live, a cool right? 11 years after it initially came out, July 4th, is 1987, that, in Foxborough. That actual actually. recording? That actual recording, yep. Wow, because that, that must be why they kept it, because otherwise there's no way they should have released I, it. I think, they, <laughs> I think 
My own has a theory that Bob Dylan really liked the, no. te- the tempo change. Well, no. I think it's possible. No, that's not my theory. Okay, what's your theory? Okay. <laughs> I think <laughs> Jerry Garcia always had a hair up his ass about Bob Weir's limitations as a rhythm oh, guitarist. Right. Yes. Uh-huh. Oh, this is a good theory. And so I think that Jerry, when he compiled the album and put it... Uh, and it even knowing now that it starts side B even strengthens my theater, theory because I think he's being, there was a passive aggressive wow. nudge to Bobby saying, see, I'm always telling you that yeah, you're, he's saying, you're an asshole on the guitar. He's saying, listen to yourself. I'm putting the first song on side B. So you yeah. listen to it, you like, realize don't yeah. start the song so You fast. see what I have to live with day in and day out? This I, kind of nonsense. I think it's a good theory. That's my theory about why Joey is start side B. That's, a, that's the only plausible explanation. That's very catty, and uh, I hope it's true. <laughs> um, I, I have a really, really beautiful anecdote um, that I have read recently about Bob Weir and um, and the guitar that really is uh, the guitar he plays during this period. Um, it was May of 1987. And Bob Dylan showed up in San Rafael to rehearse for an upcoming Dylan and the Dead tour. Mr. Dylan showed up for rehearsal, but forgot something, a guitar. When asked what sort of guitar he would like to play, he answered, Oh, just get me something simple. Get me a Strat. Bob Weir had recently invested in a local guitar manufacturer, Modulus, and they were making some Stratocaster-like guitars, and the only one that they had ready to go was a pink model. Uh, It was like Pepto-Bismol pink. Uh, The band assembled a a collection of strats, and uh, as the Modulus Strat clone, um, it was uh, a collection of strats, and it was up to Dylan to play each and decide which one he wanted to rehearse with. And uh, Bob, finally, after playing all of them, he says, I like the way this one sounds, and I like the way this one plays, but this one is the right color. So the rest of the guitars were sent back to wherever they came from, and Dylan rehearsed a few weeks with this pink modulus the whole time. And then in classic Bob Dylan fashion, when the tour came around, he never played that guitar ever. And uh, at the end of the tour, Bob gave the guitar to Bob Weir. And uh, he played this uh, pink Strat clone. That, about right. out, yeah. that definitely sounds like the right. Sounds like it's true. <laughs> yeah. And Bob Weir played him a lot and they were so 80s and, the modulus, the pink modulus with the cutoffs was just, yeah. Well, I'm what I want to is did you go to San Rafael to yeah. play with Bob Weir? You yeah. went to Grateful Dead headquarters. We did, I did. Well, Damn. so Grateful Dead headquarters closed at in the last few years, right? Well, I mean, it was, uh, yeah, but they, uh, Bob, Bob Weir built a studio like right nearby and sort of took a lot of the artifacts from the Grateful Dead headquarters. Is like it? they had the boxes that said like Garcia and like, wow. you know. Can you talk a little bit about how this all came about and like what, what it was like to, to, to meet Mr. Weir and to play? Well, we get there. He's kind of like a dad, you know, he's like, he's an older guy. So it's kind of, he like was, he had an eye. When we got first walked into the studio, he had an iPad and he had like, he could set different reverbs. Uh, so you could like, uh, he could be talking to a mic and then like the, a certain reverb would be heard like out of the speaker. So he'd be like, this is like, you know, the Sistine Chapel. And like, and he would make a noise and it'd have like a sort of digital reverb, which is kind of cool. Well, you know, I, you know, it's kind of like something that your your dad would do. You know, yes. we were, yeah. But, yeah. But you were like pretty amazing, Bob. 
Um, but we, you know, we, then we had like band, but we did get into the group. We actually had band practice and it was just like band practice, except mm-hmm. with, it was with Bob Weir. It's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Wow. So we had long, we had very, very long band practices and, uh, and Bob, uh, ran the show and I'm not like, it was a lot of hot, sort of hot shot. Got like, uh, Josh Kaufman and Sam Cohen, really good guys guitar players really who, who can really solo and shred. And I'm like, I was playing the Vox Continental and I can't like solo and shred. And we were playing some song. Uh, I think we were playing what's it Bob called? Swing we, we were playing "Friend of the Devil," and like Bob was sort of looking at different people to take a solo, and so he would look to like Josh Kaufman. He's like, "Bam!" and does a whole like amazing thing, and then Bobby gave me the nod to solo, and I was just like, "Wee!" <laughs> it was really uh, it was a personal. Did he like it? I don't know. I don't. He didn't look at me again for a solo. Yeah. yeah. Mm. He blew it. Was that was that all related to the um, that because um, you mentioned the guys from the national like put you in contact? Was that related to that um, like compilation thing they did a couple years ago where they got a bunch of bands to like cover all the all the Grateful yeah. Dead songs and yeah, stuff? Kind of. Yeah, they, they they're big into the Dead, and so all, all of them are except Matt. And then they uh, so they wanted to do this big Dead the, the tribute record, mm-hmm. and so a lot you know a lot of singers uh, didn't have who like solo singers who didn't have a band like the band that played with with bob weir out there backed up all those singers oh, cool i played on like all the songs that you know whatever aren't aren't banned you got to play for will Oldham. Will Oldham oh, like that. hell yeah I, i've listened to some of it though and it's it's cool there's like a cast mccombs dark star on there there's a bunch oh of yeah, yeah i played working on that you, you were on that yeah. yeah wow that rocks cool while was on that yeah that's fun <laughs> Uh, that that record that, that was fun. Yeah, that was because it was single, the Dark Star single, right, with the goofy organ line. I didn't know it was goofy. It was cool. <laughs> no, it was actually really great and stately yeah. and impressive. It was very cool and very good. <laughs> oh, I meant the Dark Star single. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. All right, now I'm I'm looking at you to do a solo just with a mouth organ. Just go <laughs> boop, 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 boop. Yeah. Come on, let it rip. <laughs> that you got it. That was it. <laughs> Time to shine. Um that that record was sort of like the uh the like um Dark was like the, the night. Well, it was yeah, it was sort of it was in that same that uh, same lineage, but it was is kind of like the logical endpoint of this like critical like reinterpretation or reevaluation of that because like when I was growing up, you know, um, uh, like liking the Grateful Dead, like the Grateful Dead was kind of like a yeah, like, never the twain shall meet. There was sort of, sort of yeah. a certain shame involved. Exactly. Yeah. yeah like 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 Not if you were into if you were into punk rock or anything like yeah. that, you fucking right. you hated I the dead. I've never been open with Stu when we were kids. Right, when about my, you know, it would have been so corny and uncool if you were like listening to Royal Trucks. It's like when I, when I, yeah, my relationship with like in high school was like I had a group of friends who were into the Dead. And I, we were always kind of like, I don't, yeah, I don't play that. And so, and it was, I was more into Bob Dylan. But then I did, but I, I did make the exception for American Beauty. So when I went to the Dead show in '91, I was very much like, this is this is your guys' sort of goofball thing that I don't do. And I think that's why I, I fell asleep. I think my falling asleep at RFK was actually in protest. Mm-hmm. Okay, that makes sense. that makes sense. So yeah, yeah, that that was kind of my question is like how do how do you or like did you sort of like were you one of these outsiders who like ran with the cool kids but then also like the dead or were you kind of yeah? Well, it took me a while to get in. I didn't actually get into the dead till probably I was like thirty or something. 
Mm. And then I, but I always like sort of dabbled. I really, I, I, you know, I was like, I was there waiting for you. You probably you helped me get come home. Yeah. <laughs> I, I always liked American Beauty and uh, and Working Man's, you know. But I never, I, I have, I, I, I'm strict with it. I, I cut off at like whatever, seventy or mm-hmm. seventy-eight. No, no, come on. I cut off at like seventy-four, probably <laughs> seventy-eight. And I, and I do the studio albums. I, I, I'm not like a live. I like the live albums only if they're very early, and I really love the studio albums. Yeah, I, the, all of the dead listening that I've done has also been focused on the studio albums, really Working Man's <laughs> Dead and, and American Beauty mostly, which doesn't yeah. even feel like like I'm actually listening to the dead because like that version of them is totally different than like what everyone else is into them for. But it was so impressive that they were able to do that. Like that 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 was something yeah, that is. is really I think being relatively new to the dead and like sort of trying to just get a whirlwind uh, idea of like their oeuvre, I'm going to say, <laughs> um, is uh, that the fact that they even put out Working Man's Dead and that exists is like, it's so clear that this band was going to win like in the long run because a band that was doing the shit they were doing in the early years to then put out Working Man's Dead and have the discipline to do that is like so clear. Well, that was like a, a lightning in a bottle for the. It's in well, you know, working on said American Beauty, right. they would never have the quality of songwriting and discipline and relative chemical stability to do that. Mm-hmm. Right. What's after? Yeah, they got the yeah the same wake of the flood, and it's all downhill. Yeah, that's true. Wake the flood, Mars. Hotel, I like the earlier Israel. ones too, though. I like Oxo Moxo, however you said it. I love that. I no, think I you like... said it right. And no, I love the right. uh, Anthem of the Sun is great. Yeah, those are the ones leading up. And to I the love the first one. Anthem. Of the, I, when I, when I'm such like a nerd. When I went out to meet Bobby, I brought Bob Weir. I brought my co- copy of Anthem of the Sun and got him to sign it. And he wrote, he wrote, "Hey now, Walt, Bobby." <laughs> That's cool. Working instead in American Beauty are the fourth and fifth album. Okay, Mylon, what what do you make of this um, new wave of like it being really cool for like hype beasts to wear like Grateful Dead shirts, just like twenty one year olds wearing? I can tell you, Mylon was pissed. No. <laughs> we talked about we were both kind of pissed. What that it's that it's like become a... like a streetwear, just casual, oh. like like you know, girls on on TikTok wearing like I, metallic I don't shirts. Know. I, you know. This country is endlessly disappointing. <laughs> I'm, I'm wondering when the doors are gonna, when hipsterdom is gonna touch the doors. I think Ooh, that's a good question. The, it's already happened. Has it really? Yeah, I mean, I feel like there were like people. I've never heard anybody say a kind word about the doors except for you or me. Oh wow, yeah. I, I feel like there were like the doors T-shirts at like Urban Outfitters in like 2015. Like what about like the music? What about from like music people? You don't see like a band like the Nash. Nobody's gonna do like a Doors tribute, yeah, right? No, no, that's true. The Doors is like still kind of dis- like unrespected. It's disreputable. Very unrespected. Yeah, yeah. But as far as like, I mean, the thing about I. If you saw how the dead were in the 80s, like this just for me just seems like an extension, like the commercial aspect. And 
there was like, you know, in my milieu, it was like New England prep school bullshit that, you know, there were always like jocks and shit into the dead. And yeah, that was the thing. Players. That's what the lacrosse players. And they'd all wear really... dancing bears. And That's so it's just really more of the same. But now it's just like, but are you talking about the version with John Mayer? Like, I'm confused. Right. Yeah, it was that. That's what was a big problem for me was the the jock, the, the lacrosse player, Grateful Dead thing. And like Steve Miller band. It's like I couldn't. I was like off limits. Yeah. And, and, and you know, now I love Steve Miller. <laughs> it circled back around to being like a thing that jocks like, basically. Like if or if jocks still exist, it's it's kind of become just like something that you can casually wear as right. like a signifier. Yeah, and it's like I'm like because for me it's like being a Grateful Dead fan is hard because they are so deeply flawed. Mm. Yes, and you have to like for me like I just like have to understand like their every move just to like be like do I still even like this band? This is like being it a Bob is- a Bob <laughs> fan too. It I is think. sort of like being a Bob fan. That's true. Yeah, no, but that's a being a Bob fan is pretty easy. It wasn't always easy, and we we should actually get back to the record to talk about why that is because it's <laughs> with records like this. Uh, when this came out, I don't know that you could just indoctrinate someone by saying listen to the new one yeah you gotta listen to to dylan in the dead um what what song is next it's uh it's that old chestnut next uh all along the watchtower yeah oh that's the one where jerry steps on a distortion pedal and takes this tacky tacky solo i couldn't believe that it was jerry the remarkable thing though is that that there are people for whom Dylan and the Dead was their entry point into Bob Dylan. That's definitely yeah. true. And they're like, Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Like, it's like the old thing where it's like you're somebody, like some random actor is somebody's favorite actor. That's just right, how, how the world is. There's like, so vast. Yeah. Well, I was hoping <laughs> that when we put this on the other morning that we're, I was going to be pleasantly surprised and be like, this, this isn't so bad. This is pretty nice. But I was not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, it was the 80s that all the associated problems like here it all is. Yeah. 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 Not going to. Uh, okay. I'd like to, I, I have a, I, I think I can, I, contribute some insight to the all on the watchtower as far as Jerry's wacky guitar playing. Okay, please do. So the black tour is in 87. Right. And oh, he yeah. had Jerry was in a diabetic coma in 86. Oh yes. Oh Jesus. And he relearned guitar. And so I think that there are some people who would argue, and I'm not sure where I fall, but that you know he was able to quickly Reattain his technical mastery, but maybe With lost some of taste, his taste level, taste or some sort of some some je ne sais quoi, because it's just like I, I, I didn't know he used distortion pedals. Oh yeah, he liked that. Oh, I was surprised. Yeah, it was a, a MXR. Oh, it, it, but he was using Boss. Oof, uh, the heavy metal distortion oh, pedal. It's awful. Clapton used one too back then. Well, yeah, but that, whatever. Yeah, anyway, it's pretty crazy guitar playing, like technical shredding from Jerry, and it's it, there's just something off about it. And I think it's maybe, you know, part of his decline, or maybe like directly after the coma. 
Yeah, this is the this is the first I think exam really kind of maybe the the main example on this record of like an instance where like the dead element of Dylan and the Dead really comes out right like because this is just a two and a half minute acoustic song on John Wesley Harding right. initially and like here it's turned into a six plus minute you well, know kind of arrangement right is it I don't even know well the, I mean the only reason why that song is associated with guitar shredding is because right. of Hendrix. Waiting yeah. yeah, yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, so like, even when, even in this instance where you kind of get the opportunity to to get I this mean, dead element come through, it's just like it, it yeah, it's, so you know, I mean, want I, it to be there. But you don't want really an there. ideal jam vehicle. You want it's it to, a, you want it to fade out pretty rapidly. Yeah, I mean, Walt brought up he had really, he's like. You know, if you were Jimi Hendrix and you were listening to John Wesley Harding, like, why was that the one? And obviously, isn't that crazy? Just imagine yeah. Jimmy listening to John Wesley Harding. <laughs> and I guess he well, no, he was a Bob Dylan fanatic. Yeah, he was a Bob Dylan fanatic. I know that, but he covered Wicked Messenger too. He covered Wicked Messenger too. I forget where I heard that. Really? Yeah. Wow. So yeah, it's really. I mean, the Dead could hit some really. Like great heights with their jamming. This is decidedly not that. It's not. Yeah. I read uh, the book um, about the Grateful Dead, that the sort of like oral history. Um, I forget what it's called. Um, the one that you just gave me. What did you just give me? That was Living with the Dead by Rock Scully. There's a bigger one that's like considered like the. Yeah, it's. Oh, too. Maybe you're talking about that. I forget who wrote it. Yeah, it's this. There's this big, long, sort of like encyclopedic career spanning oral okay, history yeah. book, and just yeah. like uh, the there's a bit in it which I wish I had in front of me that where Jerry was like talking about his experience of being in that diabetic coma, where he taught. It's oh, wow. super weird. He's like talking about like basically that it was like this seemingly endless like experience of being like in in the thrall of these like insectoid presences who were like cutting up his dna jesus hey yeah yeah sounds like bad vibes so like yeah, yeah. you have to give him a little bit of uh yeah credit for <laughs> getting back on the stage after such a harrowing i was told that he after at the end of his life after every show he would eat like three key lime pies. oh i had a relic slide <laughs> I had a, so the Grateful Dead, among other things in the 80s, spawned like Relics magazine. And oh, that right. was something like you buy in the parking lot at the Dead Shows. And it had their t- rider, their tour rider. And Jerry, it would eat three key yeah, after every yeah, show. Yeah, and it had their schedule. And like he'd leave the stage and like st- always smoking palm oils and like lighting palm oils while having palm oils going. And he'd go and eat the, the key lime pies. Jesus Christ. That breaks. Not not like one of the healthiest diets in the world. I mean, he was in really bad shape. <laughs> it's it's a mate. Like I know he died young at Coca Cola, and then the you know, and then the whole time smoking this high grade Iranian opium called Persian. Was that on his rider? It was this special stuff called Persian, and it, you know, and he like. I guess he was always like, you know, there was just black soot everywhere and he light the carpets on fire and just, uh, you know, burned up tin foil everywhere. Oh, it was yeah, just a yeah. mess. And that was key his lime life. Pie. Key lime yeah, pie. Like key lime pie residue, using the foil from the pie to light your opium. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> smoking opium. 
And I mean, the glorious life of rock and roll stars. When I um, I used to work when I in ninety when I first moved to New York, I used to work at the Metropolitan Museum of Art, and Paul and Jerry Garcia came in hmm. and went to. This is when we were Paul really did not like the debt. Uh, I've told you this story. I can't remember. And Jerry came went to Paul's ca- uh, cash register, and in order to get into the Met, you have to pay at least a penny. You know, it's, it's pay what you want, right, but right. you have to pay something. So Jerry went in. Did, Jerry literally had did not have a penny, and Paul <laughs> Paul didn't let him in. Jerry had to go back out to whatever his limo, and then get money to come back in. Hell yeah, that um, that that rocked. That was in probably ninety ninety four. Can't break wow. the rules, even if you're Jerry Garcia, especially if you're Jerry Paul Garcia. Gave him a penny. Yeah, Paul didn't like the debt. Yeah. Paul has really strong opinions. <laughs> <laughs> he does. <laughs> Well, uh, I guess that we can we can we can head down the tracks here to to the old last song on the record. Well, knocking, we're already there. We're already Damn. there. You know, honestly, thank thank goodness. Uh, knocking on heaven's door. Never heard of it. I thought the most emotional part about it was that Bob sings the 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 wrong spot. Uh, maybe it's on the two. The, right? I guess his his yeah. vocal take on this is just absolutely confounding. No, we're back to the the main issue I have personally, where is uh, on this record that Bob Dylan just seems to be like guessing at what what the next right. line is. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to figure out if he was doing it deliberately just to make it a little more fun for him, or, or so. if riffing, or if he was he had hadn't sung it in a long time and he did it I wrong. Really, I really can't tell. Um, I, I mean, there there's the when it works, it, it seems like in like the later era, Dylan uh, messing around, fucking with the space time of his songs. Right. It's like you get that you still can suspend your disbelief. Like it never goes right. over the edge. There's always this like, okay, he's just being right. radically weird. But in this case, it really seems like he's just kind of, uh, you caught him with his pants down. Like not, and he's pretty bad. It's really a bad, it's a bad close. It's, it's, it's a very appropriate closer for the album though, I would say. Yeah. yeah, like, yeah. Oh, all died. A downer, yeah. a downer ending <laughs> to a downer record. A really bad ending. If, if I had put together the album and I had stumbled upon a really terrible version of Knock on Heaven's Door, I'd have been like, you know what? This is the perfect thing to put yeah. out. You know, this is, I think you're hitting upon like, what this, is, this is how you I have to enjoy this record. I'm kind of shit. Yeah. You've got <laughs> it's, the only way to, it's the only way to close it out. You got to think about it in like a meta textual way where this is the only way it could have ended. Yeah. Or they could have got done. I uh, I shall be released or something. You know, Ooh, that would have been nice. Hot. I mean, again, I I really have to stress that there are there are good performances where Dylan plays with the dead. Like they exist. I've heard them. I heard them today. No, I know it's, it's so such fun. a shame I, that they're not on this. They could have. I'm gonna look it up. I've never I've never heard. It. I bet they could have. They could have. It wouldn't have been great, but it would have been better if. That, you know, with yeah. different song choices. There's um, there's ones where they play. Um, there, there's a lot of songs. They do Frankie Lee, the ballad of Frankie Lee and Judas Priest. Oh, really? There's uh, there's um, one where there's a stuck inside of Mobile where that's actually really fun and and solid. Yeah, Bob doesn't forget do any words. Uh-huh. Um, it's just a shame that like I guess it just shows that I don't think Bob Dylan himself had much say in what what was going to make final cut 
Maybe he right. did, and that's the problem. Is it a Warner Brothers release or a oh, Columbia release? That's Warner Brothers, right? It's, it's uh, Columbia. Oh, it is. Yeah. We should talk about the cover briefly. Um, okay, the cover. What do you guys great. think of the album cover? Oh, I, I can't. I, I, it's sort of a Dylan Dylan on one side, and then the Skull Skull Roses on the other side. Yeah. There, Dil- there you go. Dylan, oh, it- like a very weird picture of Dylan that doesn't. It's clearly supposed to be him from the '60s. Yeah, it's like 20 yeah, years right. outdated version of Bob at this point. I bet it's like one of the Dead's friend. Don't they all those the friends like make all their records? Yeah, like covers Mouse or whatever. Yeah, some like, guy. Oh, this is kind of cute. I didn't realize this until zooming it in. But Bob's got the lightning bolt in his glasses, and then the dead skeleton has got the harmonica around its neck. I My didn't realize butt. that. That's what. <laughs> Little that's cross an Easter egg. It's a little cross pollinated. Yeah, that's, that's for that's, that's for the cool. real heads. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, pretty shitty cover for a pretty shitty record. I kind of like the cover. I just wish that the image of the the rendering of Dylan it looks like nothing like him at all. Uh, I think that that says everything that it needs to. Uh, right? Is like you know they whoever's putting this record out, whether it's Bob or the record company or both, understand like you know contemporary 1989 Dylan. Is not someone we want to put on the cover of a record. We right. want to we want to try to make everyone think that it's still Bob Dylan from 1965. Right now, I, maybe they were following. Maybe maybe with the success of Touch of Grey, they were thinking that they people would just buy this album, and so they just threw it out because the label must were known that was it was absolutely terrible. Yeah, I think it did do really well. Like I think uh, I was looking at the. Um, uh, Album sold well. Um, got a gold certificate. Um, really, wow! Yeah. A gold star, which uh, okay. I guess meant more back then than it does today. But I yeah, something. Yeah, it did. I mean, on paper, doesn't it sound good? Yeah, it does. But it. I mean, I don't know if it does. If it was the year makes the if the year is written on the yeah. paper then you worry right, isn't, isn't that like a could have been like what what would your ideal year be for the for dylan oh, to play with the dead when would you have loved to see that you know if it was like 72 or something yeah, yeah. 70, I mean, 70 when, the, when, the, when the dead were doing like the, the cross canada trip that kind of thing uh, yeah. Imagine um, if there was like a Rolling Thunder kind of show that mm. the dead were, were playing on with Bob or something like that. Could have been amazing. That would have been fun. But no such luck. No. I mean, the dead are famous for blowing opportunities, you know, just when when something amazing looked like it was about to happen, you know, they'd find some way to mess it up. I mean, look at Altamont. That's all that the whole thing went south because they went messed it up. Um but uh, that's another story. But um, yeah, I mean, if they were just gonna, it, it could be good if they like both people were just at the top of their game. But you know, it's the Grateful Dead, so they're gonna blow it. Yeah. But, but don't we love them kind of for for that? I oh mean, yeah, absolutely. This is, this is part yeah. of being. I think that you touched on something earlier about being kind of um, annoyed at like people who just adopt uh, who uh, adopt the fandom, the costume of, of fandom. Um, And I think that that is something that really maybe people just try to try to escape by, by just 
having a superficial relationship with a band. Right. I, I, it's not as annoying. It's just like, do you understand how problematic this band actually is? Like, it's not just a walk in the park it isn't no and and that i think gives you some kind of perspective on where the highs are where the lows are why Mm -hmm. certain triumphs are actually glorious and like why but then you could make an argument just just to listen to the good records though you know well that would be very easy wouldn't it (laughs) (laughs) i mean like for example when i'm putting on a record a dead record i I only put on the, the good ones. You know? Coward. Yeah. <laughs> you should listen to this several times before you uh, listen to a good one, just to remind yeah, yourself. Yeah, I don't really put them on because it's like just burned into me. I don't oh, I put them on. I put on, I'll put on. My girlfriend had never heard American Beauty. Yeah. And so I played it for her. You know, I know I do. I play uh, Working Man's Dead for Pleasure. That's my favorite. Mm-hmm. Do you, Mylan, do you search out, are you like one of those like, um, like super, super in-depth, like live performance kind of guys who's like this version of Dark Star from this particular day at this particular set was like the definitive one? No, when I was a kid, like, you know, so the bootlegs were on cassette tapes and like my, you know, like I had like a suitcase of those and I was like really protective of it and. I can't remember, but I know from that, like, what years I like. Like, I remember 77 having just tons of good shows and, like, 69 uh-huh. when Live Dead was. So, yeah, I mean, I, oh, right. I, yeah, I, like that I liked the bootlegs, and I went to enough shows where, like, I would listen to a bootleg and really, like, enjoy the hell out of it. And, like, like I said before, hang on every note. And, you know, and, and those are, like, shitty boot, Grateful Dead bootlegs. But, I like, like, I did the deep dive. I like how much Al Franken is. Al Franken you know, is a big deadhead. Yeah. He's a huge deadhead. That's awesome. I remember okay. being like in middle school and my dad uh having on like CD in the car his audiobook uh Lies and the Lying Liars Who Tell Them about oh, right, yeah. George <laughs> W. Bush. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh yeah. Bill Walton, the well, the Celtic. Oh yeah. He, and now he's a um commentator he was like so there was like a basketball dead crossover in the mm-hmm. 80s uh, yeah. we just need a deadhead president and then we'll be set i bet jimmy carter liked the dead yeah he's like the allman brothers right oh yeah i bet yeah i'd buy it <laughs> um anything anybody else wants to say about this version of knocking on heaven's door from- <laughs> I didn't get through it, so there's a chance there's some great, there some great stuff like, at the end. Is there a breakdown with Brent Midland, like, <laughs> no, is there, like, I don't think I got through it this time either. Is there something else? I'll never know. I don't think I'm ever going to get through it. it does, I'm not going to go with It doesn't it. get better as it goes on. I, I think the, the ba- like the backing vocals, actually, that um, I guess is it Jerry and, and Bob Weir that are that are doing the backing uh, vocals for the most part um, on. Uh, yeah, um, I I think they actually do a pretty good job. But, you know, just Bob's Bob's oh. delivery is just so fucked that it's, it's it, right. it, it blows up on the launch pad. Um, well, I, I don't know if you two gentlemen know how we uh, sort of sum up the the records on this podcast, oh, but okay. what we do is we rate all of the records on a scale of 
one to three stars. One to three, okay. And do you do half stars? There's no, no half, half stars. stars. You, ha- okay. you have to be very exacting. You get one, two, or three. And I mean, the the attitude that I suggest you go with it is just yeah. right I, off top. What do you, what do you think? How many out of? I'm gonna say two, two, two. Two, stars. two stars. It was terrible, but I'm glad it's that it's got anthropological. I'm glad that it exists. Mm-hmm. It's got economy as a. I think it's a necessary thing. Interest. Yeah, yeah. I'm happy that it's in the world. It's not offensive to me. I mean, it's a little offensive, it's really bad. <laughs> but I mean, I don't hate it. It's not Donald Trump. No, it's that's not. a good point. It's it's so, it's so not. <laughs> Donald Trump would get a one, I guess. <laughs> you can give zero, but you can't give halves. Oh, you can get zero. Oh, then I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it a one. Then I'm gonna give it a two. No, a I'm, gonna give zero. I'm gonna switch to zero. I'm gonna give it zero. <laughs> no, no, you. I, I should just. <laughs> The zero is for like if you're like mortally offended. Oh, you mentioned zero. I, I didn't yeah, realize that was an option. No, the zero is like an option if you're mad. Like, oh, I'm yeah. mad. Aren't you happy that this thing is? I'm out gonna in give the it world? a two. I'm yeah. gonna go back to a two. I, I really I'm, respect that you guys gave it a two. I don't and sit and back well. I, I'm gonna have to give it a two as well, actually, because okay, uh, thank you. I really think that there's. It's not represented on this LP. But like the combination is so promising, and the fact that I really do think there are some really fun and like genuinely good moments where it works that exist, even if they're not on here, I I respect that it was it was the try was made. Okay, good. I'm gonna have to be the curmudgeon here. This is a this is a solid one for me. Yeah. It's definitely a one. Yeah. It is a one in spirit, but I'm not gonna die on this hill at all. You, know, you, you need not, not very good at all. Nobody should die over this record. I would love to talk to someone who feels like who loves it. That would be. I don't know if I would actually. I would like to yeah. talk to them for one minute. For one minute. Yeah, just kind of get a sense for what's going on there, and then and then walk. Do they start talking about QAnon. Yes, I, know. I think you're totally right. Like the the person who this is like a, their favorite is also like on some insane shit. Um, I, I'd like to end the episode with um the the quote that Bob Dylan had about uh, Jerry Garcia after. Oh yeah, when at when he died. Yeah, yeah that I got that too in preparation. Um, well, I'm so glad because it, it's so it's so touching, isn't it? It is. Um, do you want to read it? I, I would love for you. Oh, to you read it. Okay. There's no way to measure his greatness or magnitude as a person or as a player. I don't think eulogizing him will do him justice. He is the very spirit personified of whatever is muddy river country at its core and screams up into the spheres. He really had no equal. To me, he wasn't only a musician and friend, he was more like a big brother who taught and showed me more than he'll ever know. There are a lot of spaces and advances between the Carter family, Buddy Holly, and say, Ornette Coleman, a lot of universes, but he filled them all without being a member of any school. His playing was moody, awesome, sophisticated, hypnotic, and subtle. There's no way to convey the loss. It just digs down really deep. Wow. Isn't that a beautiful thing? That was great. Thing? Yeah. Beautiful words. Yeah, it's really nice. We all should feel really good about giving it two stars. Yeah, I'm glad I gave it two now. That meeting of the minds d- does not deserve... Um, 
For sure not zero. No, um, no. Ian, you're wrong with giving it not zero. Okay. You won't shame me. I, I'm confident <laughs> in my beliefs. That's fine. We, we, we have a good balance, I think, going yeah. here. Yeah. Well, uh, Walter, Mylan, thank you so much for uh, sitting down on this rainy oh, okay. New York evening. Fun. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we really appreciated having such uh, such knowledgeable guests here to uh, make us look like slightly less uh, dumbasses uh, than we than we normally make ourselves a party. Yes, thank you so much. It was really a pleasure. All right, yeah. Have a good day, guys. Take care, Joker man.
just walked out the door He's taken all his blankets from your thorn Baby Blue 